the great value of trials. Everybody go through trials. We got some church members right now going through some real bad trials, and we're all going to go through some kind of trial before we leave this whole world. And I got a text message today from a man out in Texas that I love a whole lot, Lanny Aldrich, and he's gone through a lot, and his wife's gone through a lot, and he's got a great attitude. And he sent me James chapter 1, which I'm going to read from, and I also mentioned Romans chapter 5, which I'm going to read from there also. He said, you know, if you have the love of God in your heart, when you have trials, you don't get bitter. But if we don't have the love of God in our heart, we can get bitter and discouraged. And when, sometimes we get discouraged anyway. And we may gripe a little bit, but there's a lot of difference between somebody who got the love of God in their heart and who does not. So I'm going to do a lot of reading tonight, and I wish I had time to just fire away and preach about an hour and a half, but I don't. So let's go to James first of all. Now the subject is the great value of trials. I'm going to read you several verses uh, from James, chapter 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now the very fact they're scattered abroad, we already see that these people are probably suffering. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptation there is used in the Bible two ways. It's used in a bad way where we're being tempted to sin. It's used in a good way where there are trial. And it's used both ways here in James chapter 1, and we'll see. This one is not talking about uh, being tempted to sin. It's talking about going through a trial. He said, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. We will fall into, to- into testings or trials. And uh, it doesn't mean that if I'm hurting real bad or something going wrong, I'll say, oh, goody, I'm going through this. I'm going to jump up now with joy. He doesn't mean that. But he said, you count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing what's fixing to follow. It's not just the trial or fun to go through it all. Sometimes they're very grievous. But we, we do count it all joy when you, we fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work with patience. That word patience really means endurance. It's not just an endurance like you grit your teeth and grin and bury it. It's kind of a holy endurance. Uh, we're, we're under a trial it's, uh, and we're doing it for Christ's sake. You know that the Lord's doing something in our lives. Knowing that the trying of your faith work with patience. Now get this. Let patience have her perfect work. You may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. We're not going to ever, ever grow in our spiritual life unless we have some trials. You know you've heard about a tree maybe that uh, when the wind blows and it's, it's growing up and the roots go real deep and then if a storm comes, that tree will stand. But maybe some tree that's been in shallow soil never had gone through anything and it looks like it's strong, but it's not strong, doesn't have much of a root system. So therefore, if a real storm comes, it'll blow over. And so we just blow over when trials come if we don't have our roots in deep. And when we do have trouble, that's God's got a way of putting our roots down. So, but let patience have her perfect work, her complete work. He's working in us. We've got to be patient as we're going through this trial. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack, if any of you lack wisdom, the context here, I think, of course, this is a good scripture for any kind of wisdom. But I think he's talking specifically about wisdom and going through trials. We need wisdom as we go through these trials. If, if any of you lack wisdom, <coughs> let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Isn't that wonderful? God, a good God. He gives liberally. He doesn't, he's not a stingy God at all. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For, but let not that man, man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So we've got to try to really lock in on God and believe his word and exercise our faith, and we're going through these trials. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now I'll read these other, I'm going to read down to verse uh, 15, I think. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. I'm not going to comment on every verse. I'm really after the trials right now. 
But the original that he has made low, because the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. The sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the affection of it falleth away. Um, read verse 11 again. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, the flower thereof falleth away, and the grace of the affection of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his way. Now verse 12, a great verse. Back to trials again. The context is all about trials, but I can't come in every verse. Blessed is the man, that's us now, that endures temptation. We're going through these trials, all right? And we're coming out on the other end in good shape. We're bearing these trials like God wants us to. We'll do that if we're born again. We may not think we are. You'd be surprised what's going to get you through is not you, it's your faith that God gave you. And remember what he said in 1 John 5 4 For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even, even your faith. So don't, don't depend on yourself. We, we can't depend on ourselves, but we depend on the faith that God's given us. So look at this great thing here. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. When he is tried, when this trial is over with, he shall receive the crown of life. Is this which the Lord had promised to everyone that loves him? Isn't it wonderful? We're going to have a crown of life some of these days. The trials will be over with. And I love that verse. He's promised that crown of life to all his children. I'll read verse again. So think about that when you're going through a trial. Think about the end of it. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, try testings. For when he is tried, when that trial is completed, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised to them that love him. Now, the bad way temptation is used, God doesn't tempt us this way. We can't blame God on anything that we do this wrong. People do that sometimes. In our devious, uh, sinful nature, sometimes we blame God for things. Uh, I, I don't want to get involved in that, but we do that. So let's look at this. We can't blame God for anything. Let no man say when he is tempted. This is a temp different way now. This is being tempted to sin, not the trial. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now here's what, here's where, here's what gets us in trouble. Let's, let's read this. I wish I had time to preach on this right here, but I don't. But let's read it anyway. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That word lust means desires. That's what gets us in trouble. We have these desires, sinful desires. We're, we're, we're drawn away and enticed because the devil's enticer. Then when lust has conceived, when the, we, we go ahead and have these desires and it eventuates in some kind of uh, action, it bringeth forth sin. That's what happened to David. So we, or David's already been mentioned. He did, David didn't fall that sin overnight. He got lazy. And he, 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 he got that lust of being lazy and having luxury got a hold of him. And it finally, when the lust was finished, it brought forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So anyway, I wish I could preach on that one text, but I'm not going to do it. But I want you to count it all joy if you fall to diverse temptation. You may be going through some things. Some of you are. I know you are. Some of you are worse than others. But count it all joy when you fall these testings, knowing the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's the only way you can get patience. There's no other way to get endurance unless we're tested. Like there's no way to get strong unless we're exercising. If we're not lifting weights, we're going to atrophy. If we're not doing some kind of exercise, we'll atrophy. You know, when I got sick there for a while and was in bed for a while, I couldn't believe how weak I got real fast. And the same will happen to you also. So God knows how to give us resistance that makes us strong. It's a blessing. God loves his children. He never does anything for our detriment. He does everything for our benefit. Now let's look over Romans chapter 5. I've got several scriptures I want to read. And I hope that the Lord will preach it to you because I ain't got time to preach all this, but I hope he'll preach it to you. All right, Romans chapter 5. Fantastic scriptures. Fantastic scriptures. All right, let's just start in verse 1, Romans chapter 5. I'll read a few verses. 
Therefore, we justified by faith. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom also we have uh, access by faith to the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, look in verse 3. And not only this, we glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations. Isn't it amazing? He said over in uh, James, we count it all joy. We glory in tribulations. Not that we're a, ma- a masochist and we really enjoy suffering. That's not it at all. Let's keep reading. It's the results that come about. And that keeps us going when you look at these trials. And not only this, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that the tribulation works with patience. There's patience again. A rare virtue today that people have. Everybody's so impatient. And we want, uh, we, we want everything to be fine all the time. And patience, okay, the tribulation works with patience. That's the only way we can get it. Only way we can get it. And patience, experience, we have experience with God, and experience hope. Isn't that great? You know, many of you who've walked with God for a long time know this. People who've not walked with God a long time don't know this. The older you get and see God deliver you through trials, the most it's going to mean to you. You'll grow in this. I, I'm amazed sometimes to see old folks like Bobby Poe. Amazing example of all of this. Amazing uh, attitude he got. And other people too, see. And hope maketh not ashamed. Now hope means a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation. Hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost who is given to us. Now I'm going to read a couple of verses again. I'll read those again. Not only this, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that the tribulation worketh patience. It works patience. And patience experience. Experience hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost given to us. All right. Now, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just make a note of this stuff now and do some meditating on it. This is beautiful material. Glorious material. It's good to know this, isn't it? The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The devil after us when we get down. He wants to make us so discouraged we can't hardly make it. He, he works on it. He's a dirty fighter. He gets it when we're down. He's a dirty fighter now. When you go through any kind of trouble, physical trouble especially, you can get so discouraged and the devil is going to jump all over you. We need to be fortified with this word of God I'm reading to you. All right? So we go to now 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to start in verse 12. I mean, it's chapter 12, I mean, verse 5. Let's start in verse 5. Now, Paul had been called up to the third heaven. He saw some glorious things that could not even be uttered. So that's the context. Verse 5, of such an one, that's him, will I glory, yet not of, my, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. Paul, you mean tell me you're, you're glory in your infirmities? I've got a few infirmities. Not real serious. You got any infirmities? Now, this doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't happen overnight. You've got to learn in what sort of state you are to be content. So you're in the process of learning. For... Though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, I will, uh, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that um, he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, that would have been easy, wouldn't it? See, God knows how to keep us humble. You know, those old sledding ships, and ships even today, I guess, 
Sometimes they have ballast in them. Ballast is the weight you put in the bottom of a ship, keep them turning over in a storm. J.C. Philpott, those English preachers who lived back in the day, they had sailing ships, talked about that a lot. God's got to put ballast in us. If, if we never had any troubles, we have such a sinful nature, we could get all uh, kind of, you know, we, we could get where we weren't alert anymore and get kind of spiritually lazy. And then a wind comes and blows us over. God said, I've got to put some ballast in this ship. You may have some ballast in your ship right now to hold you down, keep you from getting exalted. And let's ask you to be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a gift now. I want to preach this summer when they said, oh, some strange gifts. That's given to me as a gift of God, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So he had this gift of God, which is some kind of suffering. I personally think it's eye trouble. I don't know that. Nobody really knows. Paul, we know, had bad eyes. Several scriptures teach us that. But anyway, whatever it was, he was, this bothered him very badly. For this thing, I've assault the Lord thrice. It's not wrong to ask God to take a child pride away from you. That's not wrong at all. But he may not do it. That might be depart from me. Lord, I beg you, please get this thing away from me. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. How about that? Our, uh, that strength I'm talking about, it made per- the spiritual strength is made perfect in physical weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul, see, this is a process. He didn't come here overnight. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. He, again, he's not amazed against it all. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I become strong. My friend, we don't know what real spiritual strength is sometimes. People who have gone through a lot, they know what real spiritual strength is. It's available for God's precious children. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that glorious? Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. I was talking to Jimmy Barber or somebody this week, and he was mentioning some, he had heard a sermon on uh, Psalm 73, when Asaph almost lost it. You know why? He was having trouble, like all God's people have trouble. The wicked would not have a bit of trouble. So Asaph, he said, man, what, it, what, what good it do to me to live right? Until he came to the house of God and saw their end. My friend, what God is doing this may sound a little bit crude. He's greeting the skids of the reprobate to hell. He does not chastise reprobates, but he chastises his children. I'm going to read to you about that. A reprobate is an individual sometimes. They have no trouble in their families, their bodies. They lift up their voice against God. We got a world of people doing that today. But my friends, suddenly they come to terror, as it says there in Psalm 73, and they're heading for hell. We got a lot of people doing that. But God said, I'm not going to do it to you. You can go so far, no further. I'm going to get some holiness out of you. I'm not going to let you go and make those terrible mistakes. We make a lot of mistakes, not those kind. Now let's read here. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll start at verse 5. This is wonderful stuff, my friends. We need this. All right, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation. This has been Proverbs, by the way. Given which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening. Now, that's not punishment. It's chastening. 
When you spank your children, it's not because you hate them, because you love them. You're not trying to inflict physical harm on them, but you're not going to spare the rod either because you know that, that you've got to discipline them because they have a sinful nature. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint without rebuke of him. So don't do, don't do either one of the bad. Don't despise it or don't be faint under it. Despite it means I kind of, well, I'm not even going to be exercised by this. So I kind of, I, you know, I'm going to ignore this. Don't do that, but also don't faint under it because the tendency might be to faint. Don't wreck either way of those, either one of those ways to faint or to be despite it. When you're rebuked of him, God rebukes us in love. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth and scourgeth, and that scourge is a pretty hard whipping. Every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, that we got to endure it. God dealeth with us as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof ye are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You're not even a child of God. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather being subjected unto the Father of spirits and live. They verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. That means they, they did the best they could. But he, for our profit, now get hold of this, get this now, we might be partakers of his holiness. My friend, God wants us to be holy. And we, we're sinful, so we like sin. God said, I'm going to make them sick of that. I'm going to make them throw it up. When they suffer, sin loses its attraction. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. No, it's not fun to go through it. But rather grievous. Grievous is a pretty strong word, isn't it? Nevertheless, after would it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who are exercised thereby. You say, Lord, I'm glad it happened. I remember one time, Jimmy Barber used to teach our school here, and he was a great teacher. He had a strong discipline. <laughs> and one time he gave old Justin a spanking, and old Justin didn't like that a bit. He came to him about an hour later and said, I sure thank you for that. I needed that. <laughs> and my friend, we got to do God the same way. I don't like this God, but I realize what you've done now, so thank you for that. So what do we do now? We're going through hard times. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees... Make straight ways, straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather be healed. And I'll go ahead to verse 14 while I'm at it. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Get this, the holiness without, without which no man will see the Lord. We don't believe in work salvation, but my brother, we do believe God's people have a degree of holiness. That's perseverance. That's preservation and perseverance. Every child of God has the, he can't go into sin like a reprobate would. We can make bad mistakes and do terrible things, but there's a difference, my friend, between a live individual and a dead individual. Isn't that great? All right, let me go to a few more we'll be through. Let's look at Job. Boy, he, he had a lot of trials, didn't he? And he didn't always react great. Well, like, we don't always react great, but I'm going to show you something about Job. I wrote a pamphlet on this one time. I love this so much. Over in Job 23. We know Job had a lot of outward troubles, but he also had inward troubles. You know, when you can feel God's presence, you can make it. 
Job for a while didn't even feel God's presence, but he still persevered. God withdrew his presence for a season. He made it up to you, me and you both. I love it when I can feel God's presence, but my friend, God's there whether I can feel it or not. Don't forget that. Job chapter 23, look at verse 8 through 12. 8 through 12 here. All right, here we go. Behold, I go forward. He's not there. He's trying to find God. He's having his outward troubles that we know about, but now he's got inward troubles. I can't find him. You ever been there? And backward, I can't find, I'm going backward. I can't find backward. On the left hand, where he doth work, I cannot behold him. He hideth himself. On the right hand, I cannot even see him. Man, he's in trouble, isn't he? I've got these outward troubles. Now I've been hunting God and can't even find him. But, I'll, but he knew something. Look what he knew. He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What God doing is purging the dross from Job like he does purge it from his children. Isn't that wonderful? So how did he behave? No, and he knew that. Now I happened to know that. When he, when he said, uh, when, he's tried, when he's tried me, when, when the trial's over with, I'm going to come forth as gold, and you will too. My foot, so how do you behave yourself, Job, while you're in that condition of not feeling God's presence? My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept, have not declined. The devil tempts us to say, well, heck with it. God doesn't love me anyway. I'm going to go into sin. Don't ever do that. He says, well, I don't feel good right now. I don't feel God's presence. But I'm going to live the most obedient life I possibly can while I'm going through this trial. And then look at, look at, uh, I have esteemed, well, verse 12, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth as more than my necessary food. I don't feel like reading the Bible, but I'm going to read the Bible. I like to eat, but I'm putting this first. I have esteemed the word of his mouth as more than my necessary food. That's glorious, isn't it? Make yourself read the Bible. Make yourself meditate on the Bible. When you don't even feel like doing it, my friend, you're getting food out of there. Now, a few more scriptures we'll be through. Look what old David said about all this. Three scriptures in Psalm 119, that longest chapter in the Bible. Three interesting verses from Psalm 119. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. I was tempted to go astray. God afflicted me, got my attention, hit me across the nose with a two by four, and got my attention. Verse 71 of Psalm 19. It's good for me, I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The world thinks that's crazy. People like Joel Osteen and people like that, reprobates, that say a Christian can always have an easy life. They don't know what they're talking about. But my friend, the Christians don't have an easy life. They're not supposed to have an easy life in the world we live in. Then he said down in verse 75, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, that thou hast in faithfulness had afflicted me. God, you're so faithful, you afflicted me because you knew I needed it. We need to be that way also, don't we? We can say this eminently with God. We, we know it's true of a friend. Like, I use Tony for an example. If, if I saw Tony doing something bad, and uh, if I really loved him, I'd tell him about it. If I didn't want to get his uh, displeasure, I wouldn't say anything to him about it. So Proverbs says, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but the wounds of a friend are faithful. Brother, we've never had a friend like the Lord. He's not going to give you a deceitful kiss. He'll wound you when you need it. He'll wound me when I need it. In faithfulness, you've afflicted me. 
All right, now, two more and I'm through. Look over in 1 Corinthians 10. I preached on this Sunday. That's one of my verses I used. The context of 1 Corinthians 10 is that the Israelites have made lots of mistakes and got in a lot of trouble. And Paul said these things have happened to us. For example, we shouldn't go the same way. That's the context here, 1 Corinthians 10. Then he said in verse 10 through 12, chapter 10, verse 12, 13. Very comforting. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now look at verse 13. I want to drill this in you. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. There's no temptation taking you, no testing, but such as a common demand. Now let's get that part before I finish the verse. The devil wants you to make you have a long ranger complex. If he can isolate you, that's one reason I love to have a church like y'all are and family like y'all are. We help each other out. The devil wants to isolate us. So when I get in some kind of trouble, Lord, I'm the only one that's ever been here. I'm the, only, I'm the only one that's had these sinful thoughts. I'm the only one that's ever enjoyed the pleasure of sin for a season. I'm the only one that's gone through this. Nobody knows what I'm going through. That's a lot of stuff. Better than a lot of people have gone through you've gone through back in history. There's no temptation taking you but such a common demand. Don't have the Elijah complex. The same as the Long Ranger complex. That's the Bible. So it's a better Long Ranger. Elijah said, Lord, I'm the only one left after me. God said, Elijah, I got 7,000 who not bow the knee the of Baal. Brothers and sisters, that's true today. There's somebody going through what you've gone through. Even people like Sister Sheila going through a terrible time. People have gone through that. We're not totally isolated. There's no temptation taking you but such as a compliment. But God is faithful. Get that. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, make a way to escape you may be able to bear it. That may be death. Sometimes that's it. Sometimes that's it. My daddy had congestive heart failure. Had a hard time at the end. He was just hard to breathe and all that kind of stuff. After he died, one night, I got to thinking about that, and I got the great sense of relief. Oh, he's not going through that anymore. That was great, wasn't it? That was his escape route. God, but God got other escape routes, too. He'll never let us Put on more than we can bear. Let's read that verse 13. There's no temptation taking you, but such is a common man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted about your able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. He may be able to bear it. There'll be an escape route. Will's going through a hard time, a real hard time. We need to, we need to pray for him and walk with him. Let me tell you something, a little sideline before I read my last scripture. I got a beautiful picture that made me cry. And I won't keep on crying about this. I gave Will the song, and I want us to sing it here at Great Chapel sometime. I want it to cross Jordan alone. That's a good song right there. You'll get it on YouTube. I want it to cross Jordan alone. Of course, Jordan River, there's death. It's a beautiful song. So, my friend, I can't cross Jordan alone. I mean, I want it to cross Jordan alone. I told Will that. But here's what I want to do I can't go across there with him. You know what I can do? And you can do, church members, walk him up to the bank. Let's walk him up to the bank. Is there anybody that's got a disease? We know they won't live. Let's walk them down to the bank. Encourage them. Pray for them. Talk to them. Interact with them. We can walk them to the bank. Then God takes over. Isn't that great? Now, we ought to pray about all this. So this is about the last scripture. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. The wonderful Psalm 139. The last two verses. Search me, O God. Let that be our prayer. And know me, know my heart. Try me, there's that trial. And know my thoughts 
and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I'll read that again. Isn't that a great prayer? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way of me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Brother, we got a great God. He loves his children. Don't let the devil t- tell you something stinking lie. He's, that rascal been lying from the very front. He told Eve that God was not good to her. Eve, God, he'd been bad. He knows when you eat that fruit, you'll be a God knowing good and evil. He fooled her. He's trying to do you the same way today. My friend, it's been good for Eve to obey God, right? It's good for us to obey God, too. Don't listen to the devil. If you're having a hard time, see, when, oh, when things are going great, oh, yeah, God loves me. Woo, I just love the Lord. I'm just a great Christian. I got all this money in the bank right now. I got me a new car here. I'm just feeling as strong as ox. I'm healthy as I can be. Uh, the Lord loved me. <laughs> Even old Joel Osteen would like that, wouldn't he? But then, you, brother, you let something happen. And our sinful nature says, uh-oh, I wonder the Lord doesn't love me. I wonder if I'm a child of God. Don't let him, listen, when the Lord, this trials come to his precious children, he loves them. He do, he, everything he does for us is out of love. Did he prove it at Calvary? He proved his love at Calvary. And one final statement. I have a plaque on my wall. And because uh, Travis Howley said this. He may, it may not be original. I love Travis Howley, a good preacher friend of mine. He's uh, up in uh, Kentucky. He's kind of an invalid now. His wife died not too long ago. But I got a plaque on my wall and said, listen, when you heard the word of God, everything else is just noise. Don't forget that. When you heard the word of God, everything else is just noise.